I'm Maddie. And I'm Ryan. Then this is The Mutant Ages, a podcast where we watch and review and overanalyze every adaptation of the X-Men that isn't the comics. And most importantly, we decide who's gay in the X-Men, which obviously is all of them. Back when we were young, we experienced a change. We felt a power grow in us, both wonderful and strange. The power to care about the X-Men and the mutant brotherhood. All of their adventures. X with the animated series and this is part four of the phoenix saga which is gonna come back again in like a different multi-part series of episodes like there's just gonna be so many phoenix saga episodes this season we've got so much more to go but yeah we're on part four and it's called star jammers before we jump into the star jammers i just wanted to say a couple things um one we just released today (laughs) The very first episode well, of today, our companion I mean, <laughs> show. A week ago when you're listening to this, we released. Well, yeah, but we're recording this. And you know what? It, you could be even further in the future. I know. And it could be, it could I don't be in know, the past. 2020. If you're cable, you could have traveled to the past and you're listening yeah, exactly. to this. Exactly. And basically, Maddie and I have extended this podcast. So not only are we reviewing every cartoon and movie and adaption of the X-Men ever, but we have just started... We've decided to start going through every video game ever of the X-Men, starting with the Nintendo classic, The Uncanny X-Men, which is a great game. It's uh, 10 perfect, out of 10. and it has no one's ever complained about it. The sound ever. design is perfect. The game design is perfect. And Ryan and I obviously enjoyed every nanosecond of the blinding colors and <laughs> lights. You know, it was really fun to go through and watch it again. It was fun. It. it was fun to watch the video. The video is very funny. The experience of playing the game was That's all right. Rough, then I, we also recorded Wolverine and that's coming up did. next. So that and that's a lot next. more fun. That I also wanted to say real quick that also today the day that we're recording is the day that the Captain Marvel trailer dropped. And I'm only mentioning that because it, I just, it's, it's first good. of all, it's a, it's a beautiful trailer, but I am just so pumped for the X-Men joining the MCU. And I know that this is like its own section at this it point. It is. And they already like filmed this entire movie and everything right. before that deal even happened. But. I know, but it, it's perfectly timed though, because what a better time to introduce the X-Men than have Rogue face off against Captain Marvel. Like it can actually fucking happen now. So. I know if they decide to do that, if Captain Marvel does well, and if they want to implement the version of Rogue, that's a little closer to the one from X-Men, the animated series where she has Miss Marvel's powers or Captain Marvel's powers. Yeah. Be interesting. I think it'd yeah, be exactly. cool, but we'll see. I don't know. We will see. I'm pumped and I'm part I'm just, so excited about this movie. Yeah, it's anyway, be I, just, I needed to talk about that before we started jumping into the episode because you know. Yeah, good knows? point. Anyway, we have a show here, and we want to do previously on the X Men. Okay. The Phoenix Saga is happening. 
Banshee's possibly gay with uh, Wolverine. Juggernaut is taking it up the ass for Black Tom Cassidy. And Xavier is being annoying as heck the entire time. <laughs> Xavier is a piece of shit. Lilandra's <laughs> just an item. The Enchrom <laughs> Crystal contains the Phoenix, which is protecting Jean Grey. It's not really clear if Jean Grey is amped up by the Phoenix okay, or if she's... so the Enchrom Crystal fairly contains an entire galaxy, which is something that's revealed in this episode that I didn't, like, <laughs> know. Spoilers! <laughs> Okay, well, we'll get to it. But the uh, the end crystal <laughs> spoilers of this show that came out a billion thirty years ago. Years ago. <laughs> spoilers for like a comic book storyline from nineteen seventy six or whatever. Um, so in this episode, Space Princess Lalandra is still you trying mean space to Space Princess Princess Leia. Yeah, who is basically Princess Leia and also Xavier's new love interest. Uh, yeah. is taking all the X Men with her into space to try to regain the Encron crystal. Uh, that's that's about as all. I don't know. It, there's too much weird shit that's been happening in the show for us to adequately summarize it. I don't know. This in this particular episode is like extra weird. It's good. I, I enjoyed okay. it, I enjoyed but it's it definitely too, but yeah, weird. We've already been talking about this with the previous three parts of this four-part Phoenix saga, but this episode really packs the plot in. Like tons more characters are completely new introduced to everything and thrown at you and like new plot points and like and new concepts. And it's because it's, they're it's cramming, it's cramming like multiple so much information years in. worth of story into And of course they're still not season. including everything that was in the comics, but they're doing a pretty good job of like trying. Yeah. Like it's it's, it's a en- noble it's try. It's entertaining and it actually connects like yeah. you know if we go back and look at season two where it was sort of like the savage land and mr sinister doing random shit while we watched all the x-men origin stories mm-hmm. i feel like this is a better connecting story than whatever that was yeah yeah it is so far like, is it, it ever is. gonna be explained as to why mr sinister turned into the beach are we just like why is he sad i will never know i really hope that that's what the phoenix saga is building up to is just returning to the savage land beach and mr sinister i can't wait for that to be the final reveal but i i don't i don't know who can say what what the final reveal will be we we never watched this show very closely before and we finally are never watched this show no that's not true (laughs) we have watched this show several times all right, so uh, we are opening up now. We're still at the Casty Keep, which is a goth castle. That it's like so <laughs> ridiculous. By the, by I, we didn't Cassidy's. even talk about this in the last episode, but it's we didn't it's describe like a what purple, Cassie, huge like castle of gray it's literally, skull. Yeah, like, I was gonna say in its medieval, there is no technology or doors. It's just like a yeah. big castle. So I don't really understand. Why like, they I don't own know that this. there's like electricity or heating. Yeah, it's very strange. Okay, so I've been reading the comic books that kind of go along with this storyline. And in the comics version, Sean Cassidy gets this letter in the mail randomly while they're like waiting at Jean's bedside. And he's like, oh, I just inherited Cassidy Keep. Let's go visit. And Xavier is like, I need to get rid of all of you because you're just hanging around here. So why don't you go do that? And that's the explanation for why they go. But in this show, they don't even like try to explain it. I don't know. I feel like it makes more. Wait, hold on. You know what? Tom Cassidy and Juggernaut are already there. And they're like, no, it's my castle. And like, that's sort of the explanation for what's happening. I don't know. I feel like that is more random than it's pretty what random. happened here yeah. i mean at least in this they were like they had already established the keep existed so right black tom and they cassidy also in this there. version black tom cassidy and juggernaut are working with lilandra's enemies from space who are eric the red and the shiar emperor so like 
I don't know why they would be working with those guys, but they are for some reason. So like that's the justification for why we had to worry about them last time around. And so yeah. this time around, we're just like still at Cassidy Keep for some reason, hanging right. out there. And so at this point, all the X-Men, for the most part, are just standing at Cassidy Keep. Eric the Red has bounced. We see Black Tom Cassidy running away. Juggernaut has been thrown out of orbit, so we don't know where he is anymore. Gladiators flying off into space somewhere. Yeah, and Jean Grace now landed, I think, and she's back to normal-ish, and Lalandra is running around saying that she needs to get back to her ship, but she can't take Xavier with her. And I Right, don't know, like- because her transporter isn't strong enough to take all the X-Men with her, and Xavier is like, the X-Men can help you protect the crystal but it doesn't really matter because they can't get onto her ship yeah but gene gray can do it don't worry gene gray finally competent after so many episodes of you know not what, being able I, to you do know anything i don't really like about the characterization of gene gray here and it's not i don't know if this is a show's fault or just writing from the comic books but mm-hmm. it's like it's still not really gene gray you know what I mean? It's just sort of because like it's the Phoenix talking, which is like, I know this, this body's young and strong. And it's so it's like, is Gene? It's like, I know I is understand really the her? concept yeah. that Gene and Phoenix are sort of like merged together. But I don't know. It's it's not quite like the comic books where Gene Gray has the Phoenix inside of her and she has a calculated plan as to how to deal with the Phoenix and how to balance that. And to let uh, know when the phoenix can take control of her body and when it can't. Whereas this is just sort of all like Jean Grey's not really there. That this is just the phoenix. Where I feel like the duality is much stronger in the comic books. However, this does lead into the Dark Phoenix saga, and I think we will see that duality. But currently, I just feel like Jean Grey is actually dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do, and I I think part of that is just the time sacrifice of having to adapt it to the show. I agree. I don't think that Jean Grey's lines are very long, or anyone's are in this episode, so they're introducing concepts really quickly, and one of the concepts they're introducing is the fact that the Phoenix is using up a lot of Jean's energy, and then she'll kind of collapse for a while, and then during that period of time where she's sort of like lying on the ground, she's regaining strength, and then she comes back stronger, and then she'll use up that energy and then come back even stronger, and that's a cycle that we keep seeing is like sort of a spooky thing where we're like, whoa, she keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger, but like she has nobody's this recovery Nobody's really period. sure what's happening. I yeah. think it's strange that nobody has questioned why she's talking the way that she is. They yeah. just... They're she's like, suddenly well, stopped using all contractions. She's starting to talk like an alien. <laughs> she's starting to be like, this body, it recovers quickly. I know, it, it's like Scott keeps on being like, but Gene, I don't <laughs> understand. And we're like, Scott, it's pretty obvious that what's going on here. Alien to, or supernatural or some yeah. shit is going down. Uh, so then a ship, uh, well, the a Blackbird is, is coming. coming. I love this scene because I laugh so hard because Landry goes, a ship and Xavier uses his powers. He goes, it's a it's friend. It's a friend. And it's but a I'm like, wait, you, I know it's like, so you needed your psychic powers to look at your own jet. Do you yeah. not know what it looks like? I was expecting it to be the Star Jammers or something, but it's not. It's literally just the X-Men. It's just the X-Men. Anyway, Cyclops and Beast and Storm run out. Cyclops screams, where's Jean? For not the last time in this series. <laughs> <laughs> and Xavier goes, searching the skies. And there's this dramatic shot of Jean Grey just like flying, hovering off the edge of the castle. And it's right. cool. And so she closes her eyes and she gets a vision of the Emperor's ship. And then we see like all these cool backup dancers or whoever all the emperor's people are. Like there's this 80s lady with like a cool hairdo and like a billion other characters that are going to be introduced later. Uh, um, and also die in seconds. They are going to die. Um, And then 
the lady sort of touches her head like she can sense that Jean is telepathically connecting with her and then yeah. it goes back to Jean and Jean lands. And Jean just pretty much ominously goes, we must save the entire galaxy. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, wait, hold on, back up. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like she's pulling a Xavier and not giving them very much information. But she goes, I will tell you what I can, but there is much I do not know and there is much I must do alone. It's oh very dramatic. It, it's so Xavier. I'll, I do like that when Beast showed up, Beast was so excited to th- that like Lalandra was real. He just goes, I know. oh my God. He's like, oh my stars and garters. I can't believe that he she isn't a figment of Xavier's mind. Yes. And she's like, and he just immediately is like, I can't wait to learn about your people. Yeah. And it's like, okay, Beast, I know you're being diplomatic and it's great, but not the time. You get it back, like tone it down. You just <laughs> met this lady. And Logan goes, looks like you'll get your chance. I know, seriously. Jane keeps lecturing everybody about how they're going to die. And Gambit goes, just what I wanted to hear in response to Gene's like ominous <laughs> monologue, which is funny. Actually, Gambit's really great in this whole episode. He is really fun. And so that, then after her dramatic monologue, Gene explodes into the Phoenix and just flies off and the synthesizer theme song for the Phoenix plays. And it's really right. cool. Not that they everybody's just question standing there that. being They're like, just like, are oh, you okay. serious? Yeah. Oh, and so then we see a series of cameos and one of oh, them yeah. is Emma Frost. Right. And I th- which is, I think, is supposed to be setting up for the Dark Phoenix saga because we know that she comes back. And then the other two are Captain Britain and Doctor Strange. Yeah, I thought it was Doctor Strange. That was what I wrote down, but I wasn't I wasn't sure. It looked like oh, him, it was though. totally so, him yeah. because he's okay. standing in his like little house. You know, the <laughs> one that has the... I forget what it's called. I mean, You know what? I he's enjoy Doctor Strange. He's got his same little beard. He's chilling in his same robe and everything. Yeah. Anyway. I just, you know, like Doctor Strange could be fun sometimes, but how often do we care about... Like, how many white man wizards do we need, you know? I'd say at least 16 more. Anyway, okay, while Gene is flying off as the Phoenix, we sort of like get these cameos of these other characters like sensing her or something, I think is what we're supposed to be thinking of, of these three characters Why being would, shown. Does Captain Britain have telepathy? And I don't remember. I don't Hold on. I, I need to Google that real quick because okay. i i don't know well first of all i'm just gonna mention that there's all these rumors going on that there's a captain britain movie happening and that's probably not true but he's uh um Psylocke's brother he no he doesn't have i don't yeah i was like i'm pretty sure he doesn't have telepathy it says he's got like every like all of captain america's powers plus force fields and energy beings and flight because it why not but why no, would they show him? I don't know. Maybe he comes back later and there's some sort of explanation as to why he's I'm 90% sure he does not come back. Well, then I have no fucking idea. I, I don't know. Maybe they Hate just to reveal that to you. I just I had to double check that. because I was like, well, maybe he's telepathic because Betsy is. But no, it's okay. just random. Cool. <laughs> so Gene slash Phoenix flies off away and Xavier just goes, Gene, you must not leave me behind, which is like, what? Okay, and Julie just goes, that was it's no really use, weird. Professor. The way she said goodbye, it's like they're not coming back ever. And there's a dramatic fade out, which we don't usually see on this show. As a fade I don't out. understand like what the relationship is between Xavier and Jean there. Like that was super weird, right? It is weird. I think it's like a father daughter kind of a situation, but like in a paternalistic overprotective way where he's like trying to control her and he's sensing that like now oh, she's Xavier becoming trying too to control powerful. people that I, <laughs> well, I, I don't I mean, believe I think that that's, I think that's that's how I interpret their relationship I don't right. know if that's what we're supposed I mean, to probably think. is but uh, so Jean teleports them into a ship yeah like it's at the right? abandoning them after all she no. is about to teleport them into a ship she's got teleportation powers and Wolverine just goes Whoa, next time I'll take the bus. Yeah. And then Lalandra's walking over to the Encrom Crustal, which is like 
exploding in, in like a Zordon <laughs> too. Meanwhile, Jean collapses into Cyclops's arms because now she's beginning the like refractory period of not being able to use her powers and just being yep. weak again. Um, the crystal looks way bigger than it did before all of a sudden. I know it, it's not really consistent, but then there's like this whole conversation. I wrote all this down because mm-hmm. I liked all the lines where Rogue's like, she looks at the crystal and Rogue just goes, that's what all the fuss is all about. Again, it's like, how do you fit a whole galaxy in there? And Hank is like, it's faceted co- configuration gives the crystal infinite storage capacity for refracted like energy. And Rogue just goes, I knew there had to be a simple explanation. <laughs> and Gambit just goes, you like it, Cher? I'll give you one for Christmas. I love all like, of that. I just love that whole banter because it was so good. I mean, honestly, Rogue and Gambit are the best parts of this whole episode. Yeah, they have some opinion. really, really good moments. It's fun to have Rogue back just in general. And it's fun to have Gambit back for that matter. Yeah, and them together because... You know, in retrospect, they really didn't spend a lot of on-screen time together in the last season. I know, but now they're back. Yeah. So then a ship shows up. Gene senses it. Right. There's like this whole Star Wars battle and like literally an X-Wing goes by. This whole thing is very Star Wars. It continues to be extremely Star Wars. And so she's like, we must move quickly to safeguard the crystal. But the ship is shooting this huge beam at them because the ship has this like phallic beam thing <laughs> that corsair is like controlling well we don't know it's oh corsair yet but it is and so that blows up their shields and then lalandra runs to the controls but they they get hit again and so everybody gets like electrocuted by this beam well and first they all i think out. they no first the uh, lalandra does because it only affects her because there's this whole thing later in a minute where well, they it switch doesn't it to affect it. all of them as badly as lalandra like she is totally knocked out but the rest of the x-men wake up before her right and logan is like like, who knocked? Which is funny. And oh Beast my God. knows <laughs> it was some sort of stun ray. Oh and my God, thanks, Beast. Rogue does one of her classic, Lalandra's out colder than a leftover hush puppy, <laughs> which is like just a southernism that no one but Rogue would say. I, I mean, I seriously. It's like not based on anything. And oh that's when God. Beast is like, the ray must have been attuned specifically to Shi'ar life forms. And they're like, okay, fine. And then the door opens and Corsair showed, and is it? Hepzibah. Is the cat is girl? Hepzibah? I could. Yeah. I, I, I mean, can't I keep looked, them all straight. I, I mean, I think I looked it's them up her. Too, but they I don't. I don't think up. they introduce her in this episode by name. No, they don't. But I assume but it's Hepzibah. I know that Chode or Chode, whatever his name is. He goes. He's like a big lizard frog man. He goes, aliens, corsair, ugly ones too. And Wolverine's like, who are you calling ugly lizard lips? <laughs> and then and then they start fighting. There's like this whole fight battle. And I know uh-huh. at one point Beast like just stops in the middle of like the fight to be like interesting weaponry and just immediately gets hit he's like effective too and he's just like really being blown funny. away and it's like it reminds me of when we shot demon in uh in high school when we were doing that that fight scene where you just stopped you're like you're like hold on i need to tie my shoe like that's what beast is doing here like it's not like i don't know i kind of love beast and how he just is not able to identify what to do in any kind of like situation like it's like like, he'll just get distracted by something that he's really excited about and it's really cute i I oh my god also this fucking cat lady it's like (laughs) okay the cat lady start fighting at one point like it's like there's all this like sound of battle and blasting and people yelling and then we hear I'm like, is catch right here? What the fuck is happening? I don't think Hepsiba gets any actual lines in this entire episode. Like, it's literally all meowing. I don't it's even like know. It's a really bad meow track, yeah, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, Rogue is fighting the cat girl because, yeah. I don't know, it's funny. Why not? 
Um, and Gambit's fighting the lizard guy. And Jean goes, these are not the Emperor's troops. They're intergalactic pirates who call themselves the Star Jammers. And Gambit goes, where do they keep their swords and eye patches? Yeah. Also, he's I like, being a smart aleck. He is, but I also sort of want him to be like, they ain't, they ain't no thieves. Trust me, I'm the master thief. But he didn't say anything like that. I was he hoping he would. He, I mean, there's no time. They're about to die. He's I know. still cracking jokes. So Cyclops shoots a beam at Corsair. And this is when Corsair calls out to be like, recalibrate the ship, blaster. And he calls Raza, Raza. Longknife, who's By like the, the cyborg way, dude. By the way, Raza and Corsair are 100% dating. They are dating. Um, so he's a cyborg who's Corsair's boyfriend. Corsair, by the way, is this sort of like... 80s brunette swoopy hair guy who's like Malcolm Reynolds crossed with Han Solo except right. he from like the 80s. definitely looks like he fell out of an 80s film and Raza is like this cyborg dude and so Raza doesn't want to change it because if they recalibrate the stun ray for humans it would obviously affect Corsair as well and Corsair is like just do it yeah and then Cyclops is about to shoot Corsair and Jean senses something about Corsair and she like sees into his mind she sees like Cyclops as a young boy although it's yeah. not revealed until later like what's happening but basically yeah, yeah, yeah. corsair is cyclops's dad and gene senses that and she sees havoc too i think right and she's like no scott you can't and cyclops pauses and that gives raza time to knock all the humans on the ship out with this beam yeah they do and then they wake up and logan is the first one to wake up and he finds gene and he's like and gene's like they took the crystal and scott and yeah. wolverine's just like why did you stop Cyclops from blasting that Joker? And Jean goes, I can't, I can't tell, tell you. you. And then her mind, like, to exposition to the audience, she goes, that he's Scott's father. And I was like, <laughs> I really hated that, like, that was the reveal in this episode. There are so many other ways it could have gone down. In the comic books, she does read Corsair's mind. She reads her mind and sort of gets, like, glimpses of what's happening, but it's not really explained in the comic right away. And then later, when Jean and Corsair are having a conversation, she's like, yo... Are you? What's yeah. the shit with like, well, how do you know Cyclops and Corsair's like, okay, I'm his dad. I recognize him and like, I don't want him to know it's me. So please don't tell him. Like, right. that's what happens in the comic, which is still weird, but makes more sense than like Gene turning to the camera and psychically giving us a message. And I was like, it, like, it was the shock value just wasn't there for me. I was like, all right. Yeah. Thanks, Gene. There was a, like, he I, could have done some really other find ways. another way for them to do it, though, because I feel like they have to introduce things with so little time in this episode. I agree. I mean, like, and so they, they're just pushing through it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, is Corsair even going to come back? Like, is there even going to be another opportunity for them to, like, explain this other I, than I within know he this comes episode? Back. Okay. Like, I know he comes back at least in this season. And so they could have delayed it and revealed it later, and that would have been interesting. But it they would, chose it, not It could have been. But um, maybe they didn't know if they were going to be able to bring Corsair back, you know, in one of those situations. So they are just getting out of the way. Who so knows? So they're all stunned, including Corsair, which is important to note because they targeted humans and yes. so corsair is out so now we know for sure that he's a human right i also he only kidnapped scott for whatever right. reason right and, so, and then meanwhile Roz is talking to corsair yeah about the kidnapping and scott is like tied up to the wall because that's like, erotically what it's like i, <laughs> you I know, remember if they weren't related these scenes would be very homoerotic really would. and i remember thinking when i was a kid that i thought it was really gay until i realized that he was his dad and then yeah. i was just extra confused but like it's 
it's very strange. I yeah. I mean, we can just describe it when we get to it. But for now, Scott is just tied to the wall in an X formation, which is the only way to tie up an X-Man. And so Corsair walks <laughs> the only in way. and Raza is like questioning it and being like, why have you taken in my captain as a hostage? And then Corsair grabs Cyclops's neck and is like caressing him in a it's, weird way. It's strange. I, like, see, I was like, this is and weirdly goes, sexual. No, Raza, not as a hostage, as a weapon. The last one we ever need yeah <laughs> weird scene um, weird so scene it, it's back very to bizarre. eric the red <laughs> remember yeah, this back guy? to another gay scene gladiator is returning with eric the red so they can have a massive threesome mm-hmm. and gladiator's just like flying outside of the ship because he's just showboating i guess and like yeah, guess showing so. off that he doesn't like need oxygen to survive or whatever and there's no they they go in and the emperor asks for their id and gladiator introduces him and eric the red as the scout ship of the imperial agent devon shikari your majesty which is eric the red's real name Right. He wishes permission to report to you. And there's like this shot of Eric just grimacing, which I wrote down because I remember liking it. And the emperor is saying, I ordered you to intercept the laundry and recover the Encron crystal. Why have you not done as I commanded? And then there's a cutaway. We don't see Eric the Red giving the explanation to that question. We just see his ship entering the docking bay. And then we get a cut yeah. to this like big throne room, which, by the way, it's really funny that they bothered to build a fucking throne room on a ship with like you know, a lot of stuff. It seems like something to Ken would be, he it's would want really that. It's really funny to me because I was like, they're on a spaceship and there's like a huge throne room in you here. You have to remember that that was like normal for 70s and 80s oh, yeah. films. Oh my God. I forget the name of the film, but there's like that weird weird star wars film that came out like right after star wars and it was definitely like that i think crawl is definitely one of those kinds of movies too that's like super sci-fi and requires shit yeah, that like doesn't I mean, make visually, sense visually it looks it looks very he-man very like cyberpunk alt future like gray silver steps like a billion steps up to this throne room and this spaceship it's cool so eric and gladiator enter this huge throne room and the emperor is still pissed off and he's like you say a group of pathetic earth creatures defeated you you an imperial shiar agent fool and then he like slowly walks down these massive staircase and is just like gladiator Tell me what has happened. And um, Gladiator points out that the Encron crystal is protected by a guardian of immense power. And the, the Emperor is like, the Phoenix is only a legend. And he's dismissing it. And Gladiator's like, I have seen her, my lord. Yeah. I, and I actually love this where Gladiator's like, no, she's definitely real. But Ken's like, what the fuck? No, she's not. Yeah. It's cool. It's a cool like reintroduction of something that already happened in the previous episode without having to bother explaining it. Like, oh, okay, they ran into the Phoenix, you know? Like, if you yeah. missed that episode. And so then Corsair comes in there. Or, well, a hologram of Corsair comes in. And he calls he calls them to offer them this hostage Which, okay, and so the this crystal. Which, okay, weird to me also. Because, like, canonically, Corsair... I'm like, yeah, we'll get to it later. I'll explain why this is weird later. I think we should wait until we reveal what their deal is. So, Okay, so Corsair's hologram calls in because he's going to offer them the Encron crystal and Cyclops. Wait, I love that, though. Dekan's like, why would I give a shit about this dude? Yeah, so Dekan calls him a rebel dog and Gladiator calls him a pirate traitor. I think that's how that shakes out. They both say that simultaneously, which is really funny. And Corsair just goes, I'm glad you haven't forgotten me, Dekan. Do you remember this? And he just pulls out the crystal which is funny oh i thought you were gonna say he pulls out his dick he does whatever. he pulls out his dick and he's like remember this and deken is like huh 
I guess so. And then he pulls out the crystal and Ken is like, also that. I'm also interested in that <laughs> name. <you have. laughs> I just imagine Corsair unzipping his pants and like we think he's going to whip out his dick, but instead he pulls out the Ancrom crystal. Yeah, and Corsair is like, I just want half the Imperial treasury. And the Emperor is like, I guess that's good enough for me. And um, Corsair goes, I'll bring you the crystal and a present for your amusement. One of the Earth Forces helping Lalandra. I was able to deal with them. And so that's how he's going to... Sneak right. and that's how that ends. in there. Uh, then a bunch of Space Ghost characters show up. <laughs> <laughs> Just like 60 people walk into the throne room. Like well, They, they seriously look like they're from Space Ghost, they right? Really like, do. I, they really do. I, that's, that's hilarious. A, that's how I described it. I was like, this is what's happening. I didn't even fucking know. Like, I paused it and I was like, should I try to look up who all these characters are? <laughs> the answer is no, because then even more characters show up. I so. know. It's like 600 characters. It's like the full army of all the Shi'ar. And it's like every single character has completely different superpowers. And they're all like side characters in well, these we'll comics. We'll get to this a little bit later. But a lot of this was because one of the artist had designed a shitload of aliens for a series that he wanted to create like he wanted to start a whole new marvel comic based on that so he created this like whole universe like that's where the whole shiar and the star jammers are from it's like this whole concept that had nothing to do with the x-men yeah because i was looking up some of these characters and a lot of them were like these only appear in this one storyline and this one specific instance and i was like had to do with the fact that they were trying to get the book off the ground. Like they mm-hmm. were going to publish they wanted it, but to Marvel do more kept Shiar on putting it off Empire because you stuff. know how like Marvel has to decide like what titles they can actually run. Cause they only can run so many and like, sure. And I'm sure they wanted to see if like this, right. this idea was appealing to yeah, people. So this or dude not. eventually just went to Chris Claremont and gave him the idea. So like they could exist. Oh, that's interesting. That explains yeah. why like this entire world appears to be fully formed and it's just like suddenly appearing in X-Men. That's interesting. Right, though. right, right, right. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Cool. So the Emperor gives Gladiator this final directive before he flounces off. And he says, as soon as the crystal is mine, you will destroy Corsair and his star jammers. And Gladiator's like, but my lord, you swore the sacred oath. And by the way, we don't know what that oath is. He doesn't specify. I don't I don't think we'll ever find out. Um, but but, but I it's, think it's, it's just, just implied like, that I, like... I kind of liked it because I was like, oh, like we don't even know like what it is. And, and the Emperor just goes, you'll do it. And he storms off. And I assume the sacred oath was something like don't be a fucking dick while you're the Shi'ar Emperor. <laughs> like, don't fucking just kill people. You know people? who would be a good uh, dictator ruler? Professor Xavier. Maybe he can get along with the can. Like Xavier's ever sworn an oath and kept it in his fucking life. <laughs> so then, like, as the Emperor storms off, Gladiator has to, like, suddenly face all the space ghost characters and, like, change his tune and, like, put on a good face for them. And he's like, Imperial Guards, your Emperor honors us by sending us against the Rebel Star Jammers. And I thought this was, like, an interesting scene because he had just tried to go against the emperor in front of all these people and then basically got told to shut the fuck up and then he he's still in front of all the same people and he has to turn around and like smile and be like okay everybody get excited about killing these people like i I just i liked it i liked the setup of this i i I think i talked about this last episode but gladiator is just definitely set up to be sort of like that akoi type who is doing what he has to do because it's his job but but sort of understanding good foreshadowing for him potentially disagreeing with the emperor later because we're seeing we're seeing that struggle of him being like "Uh, i i don't want to do this um so yeah but it's subtly done so i liked it anyway back to star jammer's ship uh cyclops is panting like he's getting a blowjob right he's wearing like a weird chip on his head that's never explained like no it's like i thought they were using it to control him 
Like, so they would force him to shoot his eye beams when they wanted to, but then that that's never not comes what happens. back, though. I know. He's just I guess like it's, wearing a weird I guess chip it's on just forcing him to have an orgasm. That's what I understand. <laughs> yeah, so he's wearing some sort of orgasm hat. <laughs> and then Corsair walks in and he's like, hey, I just talked to the Emperor. And Cyclops goes, what are you to him? And Corsair goes, a festering wound in his side. But today I'm Deken's best friend. I'm selling him the Encron Crystal. And Cyclops is really pissed off because he's like, that could destroy the entire galaxy. And Corsair is like, Deken will never touch the crystal because you are going to end his miserable existence. And he explains that like they're going to sneak Cyclops in and the only way to get close to Deken is to give him the crystal. Then Cyclops like suddenly questions the plan again and he's like, why do you want to kill Deken? And <laughs> Corsair is like, Deken has destroyed millions in his quest for power. One of those millions was my wife. Dramatic pause. I know. To which Cyclops screams, I won't kill a man in cold blood. And I'm Which like, is ridiculous, though. I don't know right? how you feel about this. I thought that was ridiculous, too. Here's I was like, what I wrote. This emperor has killed millions of people. <laughs> He's basically intergalactic Hitler. Are you serious? Question mark, question mark, yeah. question mark, question mark. And also, Scott's like, I won't kill somebody. And it's like, maybe you should, because if you have an opportunity to kill this dude, that you have just said yourself at the beginning of this conversation. Yeah, that like, if he, he gets the crystal, said, if he gets the crystal, billions of people are going to die. And then Corsair points that out. He says, if Deken gets the crystal, billions of lives will be lost. Is your sense of honor worth so much? And Cyclops goes, is one woman's life important enough to risk the fate of an entire galaxy? And Corsair goes, it was to me. And that's the end of the scene. But I was like, this scene, like, I feel like this scene may have, like, had a rewrite or something in the middle because it, like, doesn't make sense. It also, I mean, like, I think they were trying to get more foreshadowy because, like, they were like, oh, this is actually Cyclops's mom that they're arguing yeah, about. Yeah, and, like, Cyclops just doesn't know that yet. And, like, right. that's part of the drama. But I thought it was kind of stupid because then, I mean, spoilers for two scenes from now, but Cyclops ends up helping Corsair anyway and being like, you're right. Sort Deken's of. bad. But, like, it's why... It's, like, strange how we get there. Why is that scene like that, then? It just makes know. Cyclops look stupid. I, I don't know. Well, what do you mean makes him look stupid? <laughs> you know what? Storm should be leading the X-Men. I keep right. saying this. You're All right, right, can we go to the next scene right. that I do love because it involves, sure. like the gayest part of the moment where they're back on the Landris ship and they can't catch up to the star jammer and Gambit is just throwing cars into a helmet. So Wolverine goes in front of him and starts stomping back and forth, like strutting and trying to get his attention. And Gambit's just like ignoring, ignoring him. him. And then Wolverine kicks the helmet away. And Wolverine's like, how can we stop something we can't catch? And Gambit's like, don't worry, we'll find a little green men soon. And it's just like, I feel like Wolverine was just trying to get Gambit's attention. And it's Gambit's really, just like, really funny. calm the fuck down. I yeah. like, I don't have time for your fucking drama right now, Wolverine. Meanwhile, they can't get out of there because Jean is still recovering. Um, and this is when she introduces the concept of each time I use my powers, I grow stronger and her eyes get all fiery. And we're like, uh, right. we're like, oh, <laughs> and so then we go back to the star drummer and Corsair walks up to Cyclops. And he's like, the time has come. Will you help me destroy the emperor? And Cyclops goes, you know that for the sake of galaxy, I have no choice. And it's like, Cyclops, are you really still being a little bitch about this? Because yeah, like, why are you shit. complaining? You, like, are gonna kill a mass murderer. Like, what is the ethical downside of that? Like, I don't, I don't know. I always have this problem with certain superhero stories where the character is like, I don't know if I can kill this person that's threatening to kill a billion people. And it's like, really? You're struggling with that? I don't know. Whatever. 
By the way, I figured out the name of that that movie I was talking about. Message okay. from Space. Yes. That's what this that is what all the Shiar and the Star Jammers reminds me of is message message from space. Yeah, it's so, all that movie. There okay. you go. Sorry. So Corsair takes Cyclops into the main bay and he takes off Cyclops' orgasm hat. Oh and he God. goes, he gives his last instructions to the rest of the Star Jammers crew, and he's like, if we fail to get the Star Jammer to safety then you all have to get out of here. And Raza just goes, we shall not abandon you. And Corsair is like, I just wrote, I'm the captain, bitch, but I'm pretty sure that's not what he says. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it is. It is what he says. It said. is word for word what he says. He's, he also apparently says, if we fail, someone has to carry on the fight. And then, yep. the, and then the like cat honestly, girl kisses and then, like, him. I, oh my God. I was going to say, he makes out with like the entire crew. He by makes the way. out with absolutely everyone on the crew, but especially the cat girl. But especially and, and the Raza. little pink thing that's on top of like one of the lizard man's shoulders. I don't even see. I don't even the know pink what thing that has thing a was. Name. I looked it up. I think its name is Cree. It looks so different from what the, it looks like yeah, in the comic books. And this is so just like this pink cotton ball sitting there with eyes. I was like, what the fuck is that? It's Hold just, on. It's just their little pet space dog, except it's not a dog. It's a little alien. So anyway, yeah. he puts the crystal into this protective metal canister that he apparently has for just this purpose and then they also, just also I like how that's just, what's gonna like keep the crystal safe is like a metal box I don't know I don't know they're carrying it in a lunchbox and so Corsair and Cyclops <laughs> ride on a moving sidewalk into the next ship I don't <laughs> yeah, know yeah they have the why. moving sidewalks from the fucking Jetsons I don't basically know why they have sidewalk but anyway they're standing on one and so they're making conversation and corsair goes i come from your planet and cyclops is like how is that possible and corsair is like it's a long story ha 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 we're so close to earth now i would have liked to see it again do you have any children and cyclops is like no and it's like <laughs> why would that even be a question and then corsair goes i wouldn't know mine if i saw them again Except I remember my oldest boy. He had his mother's eyes. I liked that line. I liked that line a lot, I thought actually. that was a good line. Because obviously he can't recognize Cyclops because Cyclops is wearing his mask. I don't know. Yeah, I just thought except it was for the good. comics, he does figure it out pretty quick. But Like, whatever. the way that they got up to that line was kind of awkward. Clunky, but, but whatever. I liked the I liked delivery it of it so much that I was like, I like this scene now. But um, then, then we got cut to Gene, who's like... If I can contact Cyclops with my mind, I can use his mind to like use it like a homing beacon to find him and the crystal. <laughs> it's like just a quick exposition scene and then it immediately cuts I know. Back. It was like literally just that. And then it goes back to Corsair bringing Cyclops to Decan. Yeah. And like into the throne room and Gladiator sees them and he's like, the prisoner's the leader of the X-Men. And the Emperor is like, I don't give a fuck about yeah, this. The, the, Decan's like, I don't fucking know who that is. I don't <laughs> care. I've never been to Earth. Gladiator's like, I love the X-Men. I, <laughs> I have all their action figures. <laughs> Decan's like, can you please shut the fuck up about this? And meanwhile, Jean is hacking into Cyclops' mind and she's like, he's on Decan's ship. I'm coming, Scott. I and know. So Cyclops' brain is just glowing for this entire scene which is supposed to indicate to the viewer that Jean is connected telepathically with him, but it's kind of yeah, weird. Yeah, that, ta- that she's talking to him and giving him the plan. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But we don't, like, hear it. It's just, no, like, a visual but it's just indicator. Like, it's, I don't know. Happening. We're in this season where everybody's head just fucking glows. I know. And so then the Emperor goes, the crystal is here. I can feel its power. And then Corsair takes How? out the crystal and, like, puts it on this special platform that's just sitting there. And Duquesne comes up and, like, starts touching the crystal. Yeah. I, you know, I have a better question here. Is if they were staging this thing for for him to pick up the crystal so Cyclops could shoot him. Why did they even use the real crystal? Why didn't they just put a fake one in there? Well, apparently the crystal is so 
powerful that people can sense whether or not it's the real one. So I guess they couldn't use a fake, according to the logic being presented here. He could have had, like, the crystal on him, though. You know what I mean? Like I he, do, like, but... I don't know. I, don't I feel know. like this is, like, I'm overcomplicating it, but whatever. You are. And so then Corsair whispers to Cyclops, do it now, but Cyclops is just spacing the fuck out because he's, like, communicating with, with Gene. Gene. I know. And, like, not answering i didn't i saw i interpreted interpreted that completely differently i thought it was because cyclops had received the message from gene and knew that she was coming so that's a much more charitable interpretation i was just like is cyclops not correct because cyclops is also an idiot like i mean he does train under professor xavier so and idolizes him cyclops like couldn't even hear what was happening but i don't know you could be right he was just killing time i don't know this all happens really quickly anyway so yeah because okay by the way it hasn't even been like half the episode yet because we're about to go into the other half which is just like a a 10 minute fight fight scene scene. i know and i didn't write all this down because it just gets crazy but i did my best i wrote i wrote down the stuff that i like but we're not quite there yet so gladiator calls in all the space ghosts this whole thing is also fucking crazy okay so corsair is like okay cyclops isn't doing what he's supposed to do so so Corsair goes to kill Dekem because Dekem now has the crystal and Cyclops hasn't shot him. But as that's happening, the Phoenix materializes in that room and also yeah, and the Imperial like, what guards. what the fuck is happening? And then yeah. Cyclops' shackles just come off. I'm like, so could he just get out the okay, whole time? I rewatched that scene like six times with the shackles coming off because yeah. I was like, what? This is fuck? what we just do in season three. Okay, People aren't actually capture they can be tied up or in shackles but they can leave at any point i ended up deciding that that was on purpose that they gave him fake shackles because he had to get out in order to To attack to ken so i watched it a bunch of times i don't think gene gets him out i think he just pulls off the shackles himself but there's these weird red beams of light so that made me think he was shooting it off but he wouldn't have been able to do it because his hands were covered it's this all of this is really confusing because then a second later, like, Corsair goes to kill... All the X-Men are suddenly kill. there, by the way, yeah, too. Yeah, all the X-Men are there, the and Corsair is, like, tackled to Ken to the ground. is about to shoot him, but then, like... Then he shapeshifts. shapeshifts, and it turns out to be a shapeshifter, and then Dekan's, like, Standing still there. He's on right on another platform, like a different There's, like, a, there's a secondary, like, floating throne, yeah, basically. Yeah, that Dekan is on that's, like, further up, and he's, like... Yeah. Hello, I'm up here now. <laughs> Apparently, nobody looked up in this place. I just been like, just staring at them. There. Oh my god! Uh, and then, so meanwhile, everybody just goes into a battle because all the space ghost characters fight the Star Jam. And there's or they, like a the huge space ghost. green robot that Logan is fighting. And <laughs> I know. Like, and Wolverine flirts with Gambit in the middle of it. We go start the ball, Cajun. Yep. And then Rogue is fighting this other lady. And then there's a dude who can like get bigger. And Gambit. I just wrote down. I wrote down. Will someone let Lalandra fight? Because like she's just she doesn't no but she fucking doesn't man she doesn't and also it's playing like the power rangers theme by the way i know okay so (laughs) in in the madness gladiator grabs the crystal and then logan jumps on him from behind but gladiator shakes him off and then rogue comes up okay this is my favorite part of the whole fucking part of the okay this is so good i i edited the clip so i could put it on the twitter after this episode goes up this is probably the best scene we'll ever see in x-men the animated series (laughs) <laughs> because it sums up Rogue as a character and it also sums up like Rogue versus men. I like the other moment that happens later with Rogue more. Oh, but... I know, I know. But right now, <laughs> but Gladiator just fun. goes, get out of my way, woman. And Rogue goes, get out of your own way. And she punches him so hard that he like flies into a wall and drops everything. And I'm like, wow, this is like Rogue versus the internet right here. It's but then so good. also like the end of it is that Rogue hands the crystal back to Lalandra who says thank you. And Rogue goes... 
I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. it. Which I know, I it's loved. so good. I was it's like, a really okay. short little moment, but it's fun. Oh, it's so good. And then she goes to fight this mask lady who has a whip, but she like grabs the whip and uses it against her. Yeah, that lady's named Hassar, by the way. I looked her up. Okay, I'm glad because, that you looked it up. And she's only a part of this. Like, she's <laughs> not okay, in anything else. Really, it's on your own now because I wrote a note here. I didn't write half of this giant fight scene down, but Rogue is easily my favorite. Yeah, That's Rogue all I wrote. is amazing. Um, I, I also wrote, wrote down, yeah, it says the bigger they are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember when he says that. He was like throwing a card or something, and then he goes, the bigger they are, and then like it just blows up, but it just sounded like he was talking about dicks. Yeah, so. he was. And so the Emperor shouts at Gladiator, cut off their retreat, and meanwhile, Corsair is shouting for everybody to head to the Star Jammer, and that's when Rogue is fighting the Whip Lady, who's named Tassar. And yep. then Rogue and Cyclops grab Jean, who's collapsed for the billionth time. <laughs> Lalandra somehow gets grabbed again. Logan saves her. <laughs> I can't her. deal with how bad they treat Lalandra I don't know why they're show. doing it, because the other female characters, like... are They're great debatably Jean isn't getting to do that much because she keeps like overusing her powers and then passing out again but she still can teleport everybody which is pretty badass and like she's made out of fire so like she has a lot of useful activities she's doing in this episode so like I don't know why Lalandra is just an idiot. I find it really strange. It's I don't get really it. annoying. And, and so then there's my favorite rogue moment in the oh episode. Oh my god, wait, where Gambit's wrestling a tiny alien that's like a quarter of his size? No, no, the part where the door is closing and Beast is holding it up. Oh wait, by no, himself. well before that, there's that part where Gambit's like fighting, I don't know, like a teddy bear, and Rogue <laughs> just like picks him up and she goes, Stop fooling around, Gambit. We gotta go. And she just picks up like the stuffed animal and throws it. <laughs> Then it goes to the door that's closing that Beast is trying Beast to... Beast ho- is oh holding my God. up while quoting Ralph Walder Emerson, our safety And Wolverine speed. runs over and is like, I'll help you, Beast, because we're also dating. And yeah, then Beast and is he like... he tries to hold it up and Beast is like, well, you tried. Like, clearly, I like, mean, like, like clearly Wolverine... I don't know. Wolverine's like, check it out. I'm a man. And Beast is like, neither of us can actually do this. And then Rogue walks over and like immediately holds the entire door up. <laughs> and it's, it's amazing. So I like This whole episode made me be like, you know what? Rogue needs to be done properly in a movie, please. I really liked her. I liked all the like sassy rogueisms that she says and like the flirtations and just like being yeah, super and, you strong. Know, like, I know it's that fun. in X-Men Evolution and Wolverine the X-Men, she doesn't have her super strength in her flight, but I'm she's dreading still... it. I mean, she's going to be cool, but I'm going to miss this. You I know, know that they gothed her out, but the X-Men Evolution version of Rogue is still pretty good because even though... She well, she's just really powers. different. She's just she a different is, character. She's, she's still tough, but like in a different kind of way, like just personality wise. She's yeah, tough. I remember her being like just a totally different character. I mean, I guess I'll, I'll see when I watch it again, but I yeah. don't even remember her like bearing that much resemblance to this version of her where she like well, has no, the I agree. little she's, it's very southern from phrases. She doesn't do the flirtation stuff like she doesn't. She's just like a different person basically i don't know that's fine yeah, we'll but there. anyway uh there's this moment where corsair looks like he's gonna shoot cyclops but he was shooting a guy behind them except then cyclops does get shot and he's taken <laughs> yeah, out he still gets shot anyway i don't know god. why cyclops is so shitty oh my god <laughs> so he gets dragged out i know some people love cyclops and i'm sorry that i'm always hating on him to you cyclops lovers but i, I, just, you know, I don't I'm not know. that into him either so i never really push back but i know, I know that we've got plenty of listeners who like him a lot i think part of the reason is that like I he's feel not like that Jean, great on this show and I feel like this show was our introduction well, to like also, a lot I'm of sure, things I, I feel like Gene can do better than him and also I feel like whenever we have a situation where Cyclops is leading the X-Men I'm always like I would prefer if Storm is running the team right now like Storm should be the leader of the X-Men I know or Emma 
I mean, or Emma, but they don't have Emma yet. So. I know. So anyway, they all run out into the hallway and they discover that Lalandra has been kidnapped again. And now oh the emperor God. has her and he has the Encron crystal, which Rogue just fucking gave back to her. And she was immediately kidnapped again, which annoyed me, but whatever. Me too. And, and it's so like, Gladiator's standing there too, by the way. Right. And the emperor is like one false move X-Men and Gladiator will crush Lalandra. And Jean steps up and she goes, it's up to me now. And then <laughs> this is like the climax of the episode, by the way, it's going to end on a cliffhanger. So Duquesne starts up really? this incantation to the nine dying stars and a bunch of other bullshit I didn't write down where he's yeah, just like here. saying a fucking poem to himself and the phoenix is like stop I am the guardian of the crystal and this beam of light shoots into Duquesne but I think it's like powering him up actually it's not an attack beam it's like making him yeah, more powerful it's like, it, it, I don't think it's powering him up I think it's just not doing anything because now he has the crystal so yeah like, and so then in that process Jean gets thrown backward and she lands in Logan's arms which is very like ho 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 I wouldn't even notice that, but yeah. nice. Yeah, so he's holding her during this. And then Dickens turning into some sort of Greek god statue, by the way. Yeah, he's getting bigger, like physically bigger, which is like, okay, I didn't know that could happen. And yeah, Jean goes, I. I was not yet strong enough to stop him. It has begun. By opening a breach in the crystal, Dickens has unleashed the power of the negative galaxy inside. And I was okay, like, wait, you know what's really funny? Okay, hold on. I'm glad that you wrote that down because I wrote, Jean says, Ken has opened up the crystal to unleash the energy of the negative something on the inside. What is she saying? <laughs> I don't. I mean, I wrote it down, but I don't know what the fuck that means. And meanwhile, oh Ken can like shoot lasers from his eyes and he's like getting to be the size of a house. And the crystal is like turning into a black hole that's sucking them in. And then it just goes to be continued. This is all very He-Man, by the way. It's like we just yeah, stepped into Eternia at this point. I don't fucking know. I don't understand what the crystal does on this show. It just does everything. Like as soon as you hold the crystal, and say this it's particular the dark poem. crystal maddie mm-hmm. it actually is it's exactly like the dark crystal check out our episode of the dark crystal <laughs> another <laughs> podcast that's a one only podcast of us reading a shitty story i wrote anyway wolverine has a line here where he goes you mean we won't get out of here and gene's like i mean we and the whole galaxy may soon get pulled in and I was like, what the fuck does that mean? I mean, I, they're sort of showing things getting sucked into a black hole of the yeah, crystal. I don't know. I don't fucking know. To be it continued. was a lot of information. I'm not saying this episode is bad, but it's just like we're being invited into this universe with all these rules and laws of how the universe works, but mm-hmm. they're just being thrown at us completely randomly. And it's like, what? I don't even have time. You just said a bunch of words at me. Yeah. I don't know what you're saying. I know. I mean, I liked the introduction of Corsair and the Star Jammers and everything. Yeah, me too. But this isn't my favorite of the Phoenix Saga so far. I could tell you that much. Really? It's not bad. Wait, did you say it is your favorite or no, isn't? No, it isn't. Oh, okay. yeah, it's definitely I my said favorite. it was, and I was like, what? <laughs> but it's not bad because okay. it definitely fits the uh, the whole story that oh, they're telling. I liked it. Like, it's I connected. Liked it. Well, we're not yeah. rating it yet. We have to talk about politics first. You know, yeah. all the politics in this episode. There's still the shit with Alandra that I'm clearly still pissed off about. Where like they managed to make her more of an item than she was in the last episode. It's actually worse. I think it's worse in this episode. I didn't know how it could get worse, but also I mean, managed to. (laughs) We're just dealing. I think you said it right. Where it was like this is space Hitler. That's basically what's happening. Yeah, Dukan is space Hitler. So I wanted to actually specify. At least something about Star Wars, which I did a really lazy job of getting into last time, which is that Star Wars at the time was a criticism of Vietnam, 
And it was also a criticism of, like, the United States. Like, yeah, there's supposed to be space Nazis that you're fighting against, but they're also supposed to be a reflection of the United States dropping the bomb, how terrifying that was at the time in America. And, like, that was what the Death Star was a metaphor for. And George Lucas has talked before about, like, Vietnam and, like, how that war was something that people were, like, really thinking about a lot at the time when Star Wars came out. And it's probably also something that people were thinking about when they wrote this story about the Encron Crystal was like the idea of guerrilla warfare and like rebels being able to hold off even this like massive imperial force of the United States. But also the fact that the United States had the option to was a nuclear threat. So the United States was the imperial force that people were afraid of in this time period and were criticizing. You know what I'm saying? So like I think that that is interesting is what is supposed to be criticized with Deken is the idea of this character getting nuclear power and destroying the world. I mean, that was what people were afraid of. Like people were scared about the cold war and stuff, but they were also scared about like the aftermath of world war two, Vietnam, Anyway, I just know that's what Star Wars was about. So it's because George it's Lucas probably has like said around that. The same thing. So and since I think this you're right. came out at the exact same time, I think it's pretty likely yeah, that the end was, was a commentary on those exact things. Other films at the time that were based that were similar to Star Wars, and I feel like this was just a thing we were doing in the seventies. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting that like the United States was considered the villain a lot during that time period. And like now we're in a time period that's like that again, where people uh, often see us as the villain overseas, rightly so. And so, so when I was watching Deken, I know, like if you're overseas and listening to the show, just yeah, so you know, we don't support we do this bullshit. know how everyone sees us. I actually don't know who does. I still don't know who does, but whatever. Yeah, well, Deken, I mean, Deken is basically the imperial force that everyone should be worried about. Uh, yeah seriously he's the threat of nuclear war and he's going to destroy the entire galaxy so like that's basically like it's really fucking simple and it's a kid's show but like that is i think what this episode is about i don't know what the phoenix represents though i don't i don't know either i mean like as i said there's not a lot of politics in here beyond what you just listed you did it so adequately that i don't even have anything to add (laughs) i mean i meant i should have said it last time because it was just as applicable then but i was thinking about it after editing the episode, and I was like, well, I'll say it next time because I'm sure we're going to still be talking I mean, about Star I don't, Wars. I don't find any, like, politics with the Star Jammers either because they're basically doing the whole Robin Hood thing. Me I mean, that's their... Something I thought was kind of funny was that when I Googled information about the Star Jammers, I found a Google question from somebody asking if Star-Lord was Cyclops' dad, and I just... Oh, my God, yes, he is. <laughs> found that really fucking funny, and I was also kept thinking about how similar star- the Star Jammers characters are to Guardians of the Galaxy and how well, it's Well, especially like... at the time that the old run of Guardians yeah, of the Galaxy was going on before Star-Lord was in there, and it so... was people like... Um, Fucking hold on, I'm blanking on his name right now. That he was in the movie. I don't know which character. Yondu. You're oh say. my god, I, I, my brain was dead. No, Yondu was part of the original Star. Oh, uh, okay. oh it's not Star Jammers. Guardians of the Galaxy. So like they all kind of looked like the Star Jammers at that time because that was the thing. And I think that's why they were trying to push for the Star Jammers to have their own comic book is because mm-hmm. Guardians had been popular. By the way, I always tell people this because. Everyone's like, so like, oh, the Guardians of the Galaxy is so great. I'm like, it's not even like 
the original Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like a new version. I know. <laughs> so I mean, it doesn't really matter. Wanna, but I, I think it matters because the old shit like is fun. It's kind of like the stuff that we say about the Avengers and how like, yeah, sure, the first Avengers movie is cool, but it's nothing like the actual Avengers originally were. It's like the same shit as that. Well, at least the Avengers film had the th- at least three of the founding Avengers in yeah. it. So like, you know, they but did that part. The Guardians um, of the Galaxy. The modern day Guardians of the Galaxy is actually kind of weirdly similar to these old Star Jammers. Like it's like a similar I kind agree. of like. Lineup, I think which is I feel weird. like maybe they pulled a little bit from that and I don't know who yeah, knows maybe just like they they liked the composition of it yeah right. I mean it reminds me a little bit of like Firefly and like all these fucking shows Cowboy and I do Bebop. think like Corsair and uh fucking Star-Lord have such a similar story they really do they really do I mean it's like a little bit opposite because Star-Lord is like his dad was the one who uh, went and was an alien on Earth and then it doesn't really quite work but no but uh, it's I, I don't know it's still it's still strange yeah anyway i was just thinking about that and so i thought i'd chat it out so let's talk about who's that X-Men because i think this is a good segue for it actually okay since we were just talking about Star-Lord let's do <gasps> who's that X-Men it's Star-Lord. The famous X-Men Star-Lord. Uh, no, it's... Who do you think it is? Um, a Corsair. Yeah, of course it's <laughs> okay. Corsair. Who else would it be? Woo! Oh, my God. And I do want to talk about this because we were just talking about his history on uh, being on Earth and then, you know, comparing him to Star-Lord. But also... I was bringing up earlier in this episode like that the Star Jammers were created for a different purpose. So, uh, let's talk about that. So... Uh, first of all, Corsair, that's not even his real fucking name. His real name is Christopher, by the way. <laughs> it's Christopher Summers. Classic Star-Lord situation of coming up with a cool Seriously. name. Although Corsair sounds a lot cooler than Star-Lord. I mean, Just it doesn't, that out there. it doesn't. I think that's part of the like joke of Star-Lord, though. a PC hardware company now? Like, Corsair, isn't that, like, a thing? Uh, you tell me, Maddie. You Google this yeah, time. Yeah, it is. Okay. Because I have Corsair stuff in my gaming PC, so whenever they talk about Corsair, I was like, ah, ha, ha, Corsair. That's funny. But I think I think they came up with the character name before they sure. came up well, with the hardware name. So Corsair is the leader of the Star Jammers, and he is the father of Cyclops and... He- Cyclops? Cy- I said Psychoc. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not wrong, but, how you know, still. How have we never made that mistake before? I don't know how I didn't do that. Also, he's just... <laughs> Corsair was created by dave cockrum cool. so maybe that's what happened more like coxair, coxair okay and coxair we've got it all Psycho- out of our system <laughs> all right whatever um he is the father of cyclops and havoc and also the third summer's brother which was eventually revealed to be vulcan but i know for a long time people thought that it was going to be gambit but whatever um <laughs> yeah they did i remember that because I gambit ha- also has brown hair and that's all you need to be part of the and summer's red family eyes, and he has mm-hmm. like other weird red energy shit going on but anyways uh cockrum wanted the star jammers to be their own series but they he ran a patience waiting for marvel to do that like he was just waiting which i talked about earlier in the episode so he went to chris claremont and he's like you know put them in the x-men and they wanted to keep the star jammers coming back so he was like chris how can we what do we want to do because i want them to come back and they were like the only way we could repeat the star jammers coming back and having them be their own characters with their own universe is if we connect them to the x-men so that is the only reason why he is cyclops's dad yeah that makes sense because it doesn't make sense at all. No, I, I, well, yeah, but it, I, it's like I think why it's, would Cyclops's dad be like a cool intergalactic bounty hunter guy? Like, why would that even be right. the case? And, I mean, so 
it worked because the Starjammers did go on to continue to be in the X-Men universe and still are. So, I mean, like, mission accomplished, mm-hmm. Dave. But, you know, it's just... I mean, I think it's also kind of too bad that Marvel wouldn't just, like, run with this idea. But to be fair, I think if they had done that, it could have been, like, the first Guardians of the Galaxy run where it didn't last too long. Yeah. And then you know got forgotten about and only recently has guardians of the galaxy even like been brought back into the picture so it's sort of like if they had done this it would have been like i don't know one off we probably wouldn't have ever seen them again i think they did eventually make the right move to do it this way so yeah i mean it- but it is interesting history as to why the star jammers even exist along with like I think a lot of the shiar shit also was sort of like part of this i don't know i feel like that's the reason why we're in space um anyway Corsair is a highly skilled pilot, swordsman, and marksman. He has no powers, but he does often carry his Shi'ar blade with him and twin energy blasters. Corsair used to be part of the NASA. He was a test pilot. And while he was flying himself and his wife, Catherine, Scott, and Alex, a Shi'ar ship attacked them. But because the Shi'ar didn't want their presence to be known, they destroyed the ship. Catherine was not able to find a parachute in time, which we'll see in a later episode, Basically, gave he she gives Cyclops one parachute when he's a kid and he doesn't have his powers yet, and he tells him to hold on to Alex and push them out the plane door. And I think they get separated, and it's like they find out that Alex is alive. But it might be confusing that with like the X Men Evolution canon. Okay, it's all confusing. So basically, Catherine, Corsair and Catherine are then kidnapped by the Shi'ar, and they're taken to the Empire Throne World, where Dekan has taken over. And this is where. You're just going to be like, Jesus fucking Christ. Because again, it's a really, it's, you can tell that it was written during a time that women weren't doing well in comic books yet, because we have Lalandra as an, an example of this storyline, but this, then we have what happens to Catherine here, which is like so intense. Oh, I already looked this up, but go ahead. So yeah, Corsair breaks free of his imprisonment and he finds Deken raping Catherine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then mad that he was interrupted in fucking her, he just kills her in cold blood Yo. in front of him. Yo. To which I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. I looked that shit up too and I was like, damn comics i know you have to remember it was the 70s and we were just like the term fridging hadn't yet become part of the lexicon we were just getting characters like miss marvel and monica rambo we had the wasp and we had jean gray and they were like their own but storm was still new misty knight was relatively still new Mm -hmm. so like it's just crazy to think about how much the 80s really sort of got more progressive about having women do shit in the comic books so i know uh, and like like in 1976 they were getting raped and fucking murdered so i mean they were still getting raped and murdered in like the 90s i feel like that stuff hasn't started to become uncool to do until unfortunately recently people are like what if we don't show rape as a backstory for female characters by alan moore and then there you go yeah Um, yeah I have well yeah so but this is this is like a very old school like sci-fi pulpy like yeah. evil alien kidnaps beautiful earth lady type of a storyline yeah it's like you know same thing with like princess leia where yeah i mean Jabba you know how Hutt. aliens just kidnap you and put you in a thong it's like classic it's like, stuff. first of all why would they they wouldn't care like why would a character <laughs> like job the hut kidnap princess leia and I even mean, like, care about like what she wears because they're know. not even the same species that question and, like, has been raised before but at least right. the emperor the Shi'ar emperor is like a humanoid 
alien. Thing. So yeah, it kind so of is like, okay, maybe he's of, interested in this. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know why we're delving into this. I don't know, but like, I, I, I had to bring it up because no, like, in, the, in the cartoon, it's like done. So, like, obviously, they're not going to talk about this. And it is no, in the cartoon, but, I mean, but like I in the cartoon, they're just like, that that's why when there. he like contacts fucking to Ken later in this, in this, in the cartoon, he was like, Hey, what's up? I'm going to make this trade for you for money. I'm like, I like why would Corsair even go near this fucking piece of shit you know I know and even according to the cartoon where they don't have rape as the backstory they still say that Deken killed his wife yeah, like that's like, still so that part happened. of it and so like I don't know why Corsair is like so cavalierly calling them up and being like hey now I suddenly want to hang out with you guys and give you a crystal I mean like I know he's doing it to don't get along but like in right, a fun exactly. way and it's like it's supposed to be a setup for them to kill him but yes. it's also presented like him and like to Ken talk he's, to yeah, each other normally. Yeah, he's being like very lighthearted. I don't know. Or it's very Han Solo. So anyway, so it is. The, it is very Han Solo, and and Han Solo and Jabba. That's who in the he is. He's Han of, Solo. Uh, yeah. You know what? Han Solo is Cyclops' dad. Anyway, mm-hmm. Corsair meets some other prisoners while he's locked up again, and that's you know the ones that we know now as the Star Jammers, which is Chode, Kree, Hepzibah, and Raza, and they break out together and steal a ship, and they named it the Star Jammer, and then they became the Star Jammers, and they functioned as space pi- pirates targeting the Shi'ar Empire. So very like sort of Robin Hoodie in that way. Corsair and the Star Jammers meet the X Men during the battle with Taken, which we just saw. Like that's pretty much straight from the comic books. Uh, and again, I talked about this too, where Phoenix probes Corsair's mind and finds out that he is Scott's father. And Corsair requests her not to tell Scott, but Scott and Alex eventually find out anyway, because when Corsair aids the X-Men against the Sidri, he admits his true identity to Scott then. So that's not going to happen here. It's not, I mean, he'll reveal it eventually, but in a very different kind of way. Um, when cool. Lalandra finally is the Empress of Shi'ar, she puts an end to the Star Jammers because there's no reason for them to exist anymore because they can work together. But then mm-hmm. when Deathbird takes to the throne, which I talked about in the backstory of Lalandra's episode... The Star Jammers become outlaws once more, and Lenlandra joins them. So that's very Star Warsy as well. All of this shit—it's just fucking. It's, a, Star it's Wars. very Star Warsy, and then there's this whole <laughs> thing. There's this whole period of time where Xavier is in space, and it's after Corsair rescues Xavier from the Fenris twins, right? And he and he, he basically takes him to outer space to be with Lenlandra, and Xavier and Lenlandra go on space adventures for like. A lot of the 80s, honestly. Yeah, you talked about this in the Lilandra app. Yeah, because, like, it's during the time that Magneto is sort of running the X-Men because Xavier's gone, and, like, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting time, and I actually do like it a lot. And if I have to recommend some stories, it's definitely from that time period because, like, the original five X-Men are running around as, like, vigilantes, and Magneto's all, like, why would they abandon Xavier's cause? And then Magneto's trying to, like run the new mutants and the x-men it's a very strange time but it works really well and i like it a lot more than like anything that xavier does so <laughs> yeah i mean when um, xavier's ma- in, you know, in space I, you know if there were anybody else running the x-men just putting out there namely xavier i just don't think it's a good fit <laughs> yeah so, i mean really anybody but that guy honestly i know so oh, well. lalancha joins the star jammers and so they're all running around together and xavier's with the star jammers and corsair joins lalantra and the x-men in a war to prevent Deken from becoming the emperor again which we talked about in the last episode episode or i think it was the last episode mm-hmm. or one well, no the, the one before banshee um oh. and during this corsair's, corsair's other son vulcan does show up and he kills Deken. and corsair asks vulcan to stop the senseless violence and vulcan's just like kills him too and that's the end of corsair and alex yeah havoc takes the place of the leader of the star jammers but don't worry it's marvel so he doesn't stay dead 
because very recently, I'm talking about like in the last year, Corsair came back to life. Hmm. And it was when the time, okay, so you know how, like, it's like even less than a year because you know how we had. I knew about this. No, this is, so you know how the the time displaced five original X-Men that they brought in for too many years. Yes, 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 yes. They were running around up until their latest run where they finally ended and all like went mm-hmm. to different timelines yeah, and shit. Yeah, I read some of these. They were weird. That's that's where Corsair <laughs> comes back to life because when the time displaced Jean Grey is kidnapped by the Shi'ar to be put on trial by the, the Shi'ar again because oh, of the boy. Phoenix. Yeah, they keep on coming up. Uh, the X-Men and the Guardians of the Galaxy team up to save her and they discover that Corsair is still alive. He didn't die, but he had become a techno-organic cyborg who must like ingest nanomachines to what? stay alive. So basically him and Raza can be together. Okay, great. Because they're both cyborgs Maybe together. Maybe I'll look up the rest of this these comics and find out what the fuck that is. I mean, is. they're all on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, um, it's very easy for me to look these things up. It Although is. I am really enjoying checking out all these old Phoenix Saga comics as well. Well, you should keep on doing that too while we're watching this. I know, uh, it makes sense to be reading them then. So that the young time-displaced Scott didn't even know that Corsair... What like that he didn't know his father was still alive well, and had become a star jammer. The so they had to like quickly like I know, like I know. So they did like a quick catch up. They're like, yeah. So the old Cyclops already had gone spaced and met Corsair <laughs> when he was alive, and they had to like quickly recap that for a young Cyclops. That and is Cyclops, kind of funny. I I would be interested to see how they handle that in that issue. I'll check. I know it out. It, it's great, and so he's very surprised by this, and then they just eventually decide that Cy- young Cyclops is like, you know what. I'm going to go with my dad and mm-hmm. I'm going to travel the galaxy together and oh, they leave cool. together. And I love that ending. I think Are they that is a good ending. That as like its own storyline maybe or no? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, like I think they're looking for any reason to get rid of the young time to place to X-Men. Yeah, they I don't were there know why for, they... they... I like they brought them there like as a concept and I was like, you know what? It works because the X-Men would do something weird like that. Yeah, and the you X-Men's were more all into about... it than me. I thought it was really weird. No, I, I, thought it, I thought it was really weird too as it went on and then once when like fucking like Warren Worthington, the young one, started dating X-23, I was like, this yeah, is like Yeah, I don't like, like that pairing, too much. just by the way. I find it doesn't it even very weird. Make sense. I mean, it does make sense in the sense that Warren apparently likes women that are like dialogue and they're just totally badass but i, I mean, just i guess i just feel like it's such a random set of characters that i feel like they have no chemistry together i, I find don't it really strange. know it was a I, very I'm sorry strange if there are period any x23 warren shippers out there i really like both characters individually but when they try to put them together i'm just like i don't get this like they just seem like friends like they have such a like friend energy that it's weird i to agree me. and like anyway. i think that becomes part of their the reason why they break up right because warren's all like no they break up because x23 keeps on like going to situations where she dies it comes yeah, back to life they break and up warren's for like, stupid like uh, oh you're being so dangerous reasons like that's the reason why x-men always break up it's because they're all little risk takers. of course they are and then I did want to mention that Corsair does appear in one video game. He appears in Marvel vs. Ultimate Alliance in the Shi'ar Galaxy level. So we're going to have to add that to the list of games that we have to play because I didn't even realize that the I Shi'ar was in there. I played that game and I, I had to. I just don't remember that shit. God. Oh, you know what happened is that me and my ex at the time, we were playing together, but then he would play it when I wasn't there for like oh, five days yeah, of the so week. And he was like, he had done a bunch of it. He's like, I unlocked all this shit. And I was like, okay, but what happened? It's a co-op <laughs> game though. So we can definitely play it on the channel. And, I, like, I cannot wait to do that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it will be And fun. so that's Corsair. Yay. Yeah. Uh, so since we just talked about Corsair and Raza being gay, who else is gay? Is being gay. 
Okay. Well, so, Corsair and Raza are gay. I, don't I really, know. I, they're like my number one in this I, just yeah, because I, I like, like it. I feel like they might be my number one. I enjoyed them. They don't have very many moments in this, but the few that they have, I liked the pair. And I it's also, like, it was yet oh another my God, scenario you know the best of two way to totally descri- new characters. Go I would say the best way to describe their relationship is that of like watching like an 80s, 90s anime between two men that are like clearly kind of gay together like that's how I but feel but they about can it. never fully show it and so you just have the character being like no yeah sir please no i have yeah. to protect you but like that's as far as it ever really goes yeah it's, yeah i enjoyed it i liked them me too um there's some other fun moments like gambit and wolverine have their moment oh my God. of like flirting on the but ship. it's more like gambit standing there and wolverine be like i want you to flirt with me and like cold me and gambit's like we got bigger shit to worry about. Also, Calm Rogue the fuck is down. here, and Rogue is like my number one. You're just my secondary partner. <laughs> like you're just yeah. You're the one I go to when Rogue reminds me that I can't touch her. <laughs> yeah. Even though we take a fucking, we get into the fucking X Men hot tub together, and Rogue wears a tiny bikini. I wear a thong. Everything's great. Yeah. Well, they're not touching each other. They're just looking at each other. Um, I'm trying to remember everybody else. There's like 600 villains in this episode who presumably are all fucking each other. There's. I like... mean, Eric the Red does show up, and he does do his all like to Ken. I want to suck your dick bullshit but then gladiator is like kind of being deken's puppy in this as well but i, yeah. I feel like deken like gladiator clearly is is chafing against that and is like gonna maybe rebel later i don't remember but yeah i agree uh can we talk about the elephant in the room though uh the weird like sexual tension between cyclops and his dad i find it really weird i mean what is i do to too but i'm gonna say? address that it's there because we're a talking fucking about wolverine saber situation all over again where you well, like at least with the wolverine saber we don't know if they're related or not it's like he could be his brother or his dad we just know that he screams happy birthday a lot (laughs) in this episode what (laughs) happens is that gene screams he's your father into this blackness of space and then suddenly we see corsair dramatically romantically choking his son while his son is tied to a wall right like why was that the transition immediately after it's revealed that they're related i don't know i didn't care for it i thought it was weird made me feel weird didn't want that to be in the show (laughs) you know what and as a kid i don't i like i did remember i did identify that they were father and son eventually you must have because it was like the line introducing that scene so then you probably were just spending that scene being like crazy maddie is that like i hadn't seen this episode in so long even though like i've rewatched the show a bunch like i think i just like explained this before there have been many times we've rewatched the show and talked over it and not paid attention to what was happening in the episode like that was really funny is that like when i was reading all the comic books as a kid and as a teenager i distinctly remember being like you know i'd look at pictures of corsair and cyclops and be like why do we keep on thinking they're gay together like why do we keep on and then i was watching this episode it was like oh that's why it's because yes. of this like one just scene this one episode that's that, like really put funny. it in my head that they were like fucking and it's weird it's it's a weird scene. I feel like it's one of these classic things that this show does. I mean, you sort of brought it up or hinted at it with Xavier and Jean, where like you have a character who's presented as like a father figure, but it's like kind of this predatory, like sexual undercurrent is there. And I don't know if that's just us being the weirdos that we are no, and like it's reading not us too much of everything. I definitely but- in the comics and in like the TV shows and the movies, I always have felt that Xavier and Jean's relationship is not okay. Yeah, like it's like if it you goes watch any of the cartoons, yeah. And I think I I feel like 
oh my god, I hate Brian Singer, but of course he's the one that managed to portray that the best was in fucking X-Men Apocalypse. I when, mean, like, know thyself. I, I guess we're gonna fucking get to it. I actually thought you were gonna say X3 because we are gonna watch that next and it's well, depicted no, I, there, I, yeah, too. But that chemistry, I, I, it was unbelievable to me in that because, again, Patrick Stewart, even when he was still being a dick as Xavier, like, Patrick Stewart is so Although, fucking also, charming. Also, what the fuck am I saying? Brian Singer didn't direct X3. Like, famously no, didn't, didn't direct X3. So, no, forget no, what so, I said. But I know what you're going to say, because in X-Men Apocalypse, there's all these weird scenes where, like, child Jean is positioned with these, like, much older male characters. Like, yeah, they have her and Hugh like, Jackman, which I thought was really strange. And then, like, yeah, and her Xavier and Xavier. Yeah, fucking X-Men Apocalypse is yeah. sending Jean all these secret messages. And, like, and sitting it's like, by her bedside, and it's like, what is happening? Yeah, I agree. Although, it's it was less creepy in that because James McAvoy and what's her name that Sansa Stark well, are also, not like, that far apart not, in stage so yeah they're it's not like, that far apart in age but like the characters are supposed to be so that part is weird yeah. but but it's also like is it supposed to be creepy and maybe it is supposed to be creepy on some level but yeah I mean that's part of why I'm comparing it to Sabretooth and Wolverine because I feel like it's kind of like a weird Marvel Comics staple to have these like weird I, paternal no, you're relationships totally right. I, think, I think it's a staple with comic books in general because DC uh, absolutely falls into those categories too with like yeah like well i mean batman DC's, robin slade I, robin. I was gonna say i was gonna say yeah absolutely batman and all the robins is a sweet <laughs> except for damien i feel like damien and bruce wayne do not have that because the later writers made sure to make sure that didn't happen but dick race and bruce wayne 100 but also to be fair in the dc universe most of these characters parents are dead like that's i know their thing. but that's so. kind of the thing in X-Men too, like even if the characters' parents aren't dead, a lot of them don't have parents, like their parents have disowned them or they don't have a good relationship with their parents. And so they do look to Xavier to be their father figure, which is right, right. tragic and then is a situation where he can take advantage of them. None of this has to do with who's gay. It's just a No, sad no, no. Thing. It was just like it was like we just got there because we were talking I mean about Cyclops and Corsair and like how weird that was. I mean, I don't think that was intentional. I don't fucking know. It's just like a weird thing no, about you're this right. particular I did episode. I did make a note about this and we didn't talk about it in the recap but i do there was a moment there where i felt like storm and gene had a thing because gene says she's gonna leave and storm gets really upset oh really but i think yeah she like you see her in the background she sort of looks like she's gonna cry but i also think that i don't know if it's sexual or not i don't necessarily believe that because i think storm or rogue but i think i always <laughs> see storm and rogue are already dating so like i know course- but i think a lot of people do ship storm and gene but i i don't i've always seen storm and gene as like they're just really like they're best friends they're bff and they always yeah, will be. i mean i i don't really see that i think maybe it makes more sense in the comics than this show because this yeah, show they probably, don't really like maybe, talk no, a lot even, even in the comics i feel like that connection because like i know a lot of people are like Kitty Pride and like Eliana are like best friends, but they also are probably probably hooking up, which I'm like, yeah, that makes sense to me, but I don't see that connection between Gene and Storm for whatever well, reason. I guess the reason why I might see it is because I'm rereading these old Phoenix Saga comics and like Storm is still a relatively new character and you're like still learning about her. And so there's like more scenes between them being becoming friends, which is not necessarily yeah. gay, but I, I think there's like more closeness between them. So I can sort of understand how somebody like grew up reading those particular comics. Maybe they would ship them, but I yeah. don't know. I don't really see that on this show because this show takes place in time when like Storm's already been part of the X Men since yeah, the beginning totally. of the show. So it's not that's not really present. Anyway, no, right. um, I, if we have to give the prize, I think I really want to give it to Corsair and Raza because I, I love the idea that. Corsair had this family on Earth and like after he was kidnapped <laughs> he just like he just found this cyborg man and started 
having butt sex like i like it's be a like, classic oh, I'm into dudes han and i love solo the idea that like slash chewbacca right. relationship here. well i don't think han solo <laughs> and chewie are fucking but i do like the idea that like corsair having to have a conversation with cyclops he's like yeah so you know i know you remember me be with your mom but hey, I'm dating a dude now. I just kind of love that. Because I, I honestly, if Cyclops found that out, I'd think he'd give a shit. I think he'd be like, yeah, that's fine. That's, yeah, he'd that's... be fine with it, but he'd still be like, I'm not going to murder Deacon. And of course, everybody would be like, are you seriously? Like, is that really what this is about? Okay, fine. <laughs> it's like Deacon's already dead. And he's just still screaming <laughs> I that. I can't believe you made me do that. And of course, there's like, you didn't. You just didn't do anything. You stood there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh anyway i don't know i guess i guess maybe that'll be what happens in the next episode we'll find out if corsair yeah, finally maybe. comes forward about his parentage and also oh, his new relationship there's also that moment where beast and wolverine flirt briefly uh when oh when they're holding up the door yeah and wolverine's like i'm coming to you baby or you That's know i just like think wolverine's second. fucking around all right um, yeah wolverine this section got really everybody. long even for us so well, let's move on to our rating on xavier again um hmm. okay so I, I, I don't know. guess I'll give it a 3.5. Yeah, I'm somewhere between like 2.5 and 3. I like the parts I, I like about I it. I this episode more than you, clearly. <laughs> um, I I mean, I didn't dislike it. I just, I feel like, why is Scarlet Witch trending on Twitter right now? Wait, um, what? <laughs> <laughs> House of M is happening in real life. It's fucking crazy, guys. Yeah, this it says Tom, Tom Hiddleston's Loki and Elizabeth Olsen's Scarlet Witch are reportedly getting shows on Disney's new streaming service. Okay. Oh, I would watch those. They, oh, yeah, <laughs> sure. I mean, Frank, sure, this is also trending right now on Twitter. That says Frank Oz says that Bert's not gay and he should come. He should know because oh, he created him. I already him. saw this. God, God damn that's it! That's been the fucking conversation on Twitter all day is whether or not Bert and Ernie are gay. Oh well, gay, that, that okay? and Captain. <laughs> it's been a weird day on Twitter because also Mario Kart was trending, but it was about Trump, and I was like, "What is I happening?" I don't want to so, talk about I, it. Sorry, I came on here to look at something about the episode and clearly got distracted because that was open. Sorry, everyone, that I checked Twitter. Um, so reading this episode, I say 2.53 because like, it's just a lot of exposition. And so it's, it's fine to put exposition in a story. And especially when you have to work with a format like this, you have to try and get it all in there, but it's also exposition that's totally unexplained. So we're being presented to like how this universe works, but like, they're just like meaningless words to me. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm going with it. Cause at least like in Star Trek or something, they explain the technology that they've invented or like how this particular politic of a space empire works. And in this, they're just like screaming shit. Like, I feel like even He-Man and She-Ra do it a little bit better. I don't know. Maybe yeah, it's just me. Yeah, you're probably right. I think I'm going to knock it down to a three. You talked yeah. me into it. Sorry. I feel like it could have been better. It's not, you know what? And it's a, I don't know, like, out of five X's, by the way, but I did like seeing all the Star Jammers and all the Space Ghost characters and the Shi'ar. I do really love yeah. the Shi'ar, and, and I, I, I love... respect that the episode, like even though it had to introduce a lot of stuff, they did it pretty well considering. I agree. Like, like I, I wasn't don't... confused per se, although I was. I am still confused about how the crystal works. Yeah, that's part of why I, I knocked my score I down. I think that's why I didn't enjoy it as much as I could because I was just mostly confused from like a storytelling 
Yeah, like I don't understand what the what the crystal's powers are. What right. is the galaxy like, that's inside of it? On? They still haven't told us that. And I don't for, understand how it's going to affect everything. around like the Phoenix, she really doesn't do a lot in this. Like she teleports them like twice and that's all she does. Yeah, it's true. She could have been burning way more people. Uh, yeah, she could have just been destroying planets. But she but, didn't. Um, I don't know why not. I did look, there are parts about it that I really enjoyed and a lot of it had to do with the action sequences and like a lot of this stuff with like Rogue and Gambit and even Beast, like I just feel like they did really good with the X-Men stuff. But when you think about it, like everything we talked about this episode, like the X-Men were, this wasn't an X-Men episode. It was a Shi'ar Stardom episode and like the X-Men were there in the background, but they don't. I mean, I guess, but they had some fun moments too. Like a Gambit and Rogue have their fun little interchange about like stealing the crystal and like I don't know. There's not that many lines total in this episode. Yeah. This is mostly action. Although I do have that clip ready to go after this episode goes out of Rogue punching a gladiator across the room. And I expect everybody listening to this to go and retweet it. If it's not up yet, then you can retweet it tomorrow. <laughs> That's it. Um, cool. Else? Reader mail? Reader mail. We have a lot last I remember. Oh, it's got, there's even more. Okay, oh, so no. we have a lot of reader mail today, and this is why. Um, basically, Maddie and I are recording episodes ahead of time, and so like we recorded. But also, we a haven't of, recorded one in a couple weeks. So uh, well, that, we that was just the law of, of the Shi'ar universe. But during that time, everybody messaged, like, sent us emails, and I did. I should have responded to all of y'all, being like, "Hey, we're not going to read this. You're for not going to hear yourself for a while." But because we just recorded like a bunch of episodes, but here we are. I guess so. I would just say from now on, it might be that way because we're trying to regularly record episodes in advance. So yeah, and it, we'll the reason why that's happening we is because we're just in general producing more content, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But let's get into the read mail for right now. So we're going to first go to a email from Ian, who's been a frequent writer, and he writes in, hello, I don't know if it's what they were going for, but if you look into the intrusive thoughts, it's actually relatively common for people's minds to conjure situations in which they are harmful to people they love or themselves. This is by Xavier and his dark side, by the way. Yeah. It sucks and is often tied up with depression, and it makes Xavier's ideas about the dark side, which lives within all of us, a lot less absurd. Still loving the show. Wish I had time to write more often. You rock. Bye. I mean, maybe, but... <sighs> I don't know. I, I have intrusive thoughts and I feel like it's normal for everybody to have them. Like you just imagine doing something horrible, but I don't have intrusive thoughts about elaborately torturing people. I know I don't. That's really not an intrusive have thought. Intrusive I have. thoughts about. I think if I, mean, I ever have ever had an intrusive thought about like damaging another person, it would be like their reputation. Like the, the most I can think about is if somebody is pissing me off so much and I just want to punch them in the face yeah, I mean, I think that's what this is. This writer is referring to Ian or whoever. It yeah, is. yeah, um, yeah. But the, I yeah, don't. I mean, I, like, sure, on some level, everybody has those thoughts. But like, yeah, the but episode is supposing a very dark version it's a, it's of Xavier. It's, it's supposing a version of Charles Xavier. That's like, what the fuck is his face from Saw? Yeah, yeah. Like where he's creating these elaborate things that will allow the X Men to destroy themselves, and is like, I created you so I can destroy you. Like that is. I don't know. I mean, if you happen to still be sympathetic to Xavier, that's fine. I know we have some people out there who like him, and I'm sorry that you listen to this show where we don't. Well, you know what? I appreciate appreciate those of you (laughs) who like Xavier and still listen to our show because... I know. Shout out to you. You guys are awesome, honestly. (laughs) Um, 
because he put up Sorry with our shit. Sorry that we don't. So, Clearly, we aren't willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, even with this completely I think, you know, I, I said, I'm going to say this right now. I know that X-Men Evolutions Xavier can still be a dick, but it's like so much less than this. To the, this version of him just seems outright abusive to me, and it's it's hard yeah. for me to see it otherwise. And I think, I think we may have examples. a more positive interpretation of him on that show and we definitely do in the films because we've talked about well, yeah like, we've talked how, about that how like Patrick that version, of version. Pa- like xavier is so different from the comic books I because know. Like, patrick Stewart is just like so amazing well they're like, also written differently in the movies like yeah, they don't true. include a lot of this well it's an x-men stuff. 3 but we'll get there mm-hmm. uh, so ian wrote in a secondary email pretty much right after that in which he said hello again i also want and he's talking about cops in the 90s I also want to push back on the idea that cop violence wasn't in the zeitgeist in the 90s. I grew up with the phrase police brutality being used in the media I watched in the news pretty regularly in the UK. And I honestly think that it was only later that people stopped talking about it. It was definitely very much a part of the conversation in the 80s and 70s. I totally agree that it shows courage in the show writers, though. I often think about how many shows in the 90s dealt with issues that are considered controversial now. Sonic fought industrial pollution, <laughs> uh, deforestation, and Hell burglars yeah. capitalism. Biker Grove I, and Biker Grove dealt with bullying head-on. Spider-Man fought corporate corruption and of officials while some of the shows we have now raise issues i wish we had access to when i was young like gender and sexuality i miss the naked progressivism of the 90s kids tv bye again if we said that i think it was a misstatement because i i feel like i yeah i know that we were talking about police violence at least since rodney king so like i wouldn't have I don't think I would have fucked that up because I'm yeah. always saying that I'm such a pedant about it. I'm always like, people were always talking about this. So I don't know. Who knows what I said? It's I on know. the podcast. You know what? Too bad we can't <laughs> go back and listen to it. There's no way to find out whatever the fuck I said. Never. <laughs> There's no way to time travel. Just call Cable. He, I'm sure he'll time travel in exchange for a blowjob, but you're not Cable a dude. Cable is the so only person know. who's capable of listening to old episodes of the show. Nobody else can do it. <laughs> True. Uh, so Claire wrote in. Uh, and Claire writes, Hi, Claire. hey Maddie and Ryan, hope you've been doing well. Really fun Let's Play video on the NES game. So she wrote this in today. Oh, this is a recent email. Like today. Okay. Turns okay. out that video games are hard to make. My guess is that, my best guess is that the game was developed by someone from DC Comics so that parents would get furious over Cyclops' eye beam noise and ban all X-Men merchandise from the house. <laughs> That's really that the only explanation the I can worst. come up with. Looking forward to future episodes in that series filled with hopefully much better games for your sake. I was also really interested in Chris's email about the Phoenix and Jean Grey. While you two had discussed the Phoenix as being something of a feminist power fantasy, I always resented that Jean's ultimate power came from something external, cosmic force, instead of her just naturally being a huge badass. That's Mm. why I was so excited to hear what Chris had to say regarding her originally just becoming more and more aware of her own power and feeling disconnected from the rest of humanity. Short email today, but I'm really looking forward to the next episode, as well as the next game review. See you next time. Claire. P.S. I was glad to hear Ryan ask the one question on everybody's mind in the Nintendo game. Where's Morph? <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Morph's not in that game and it's a damn shame. I know. Yeah, we did talk I'm, about I'm, that though. Claire, I don't know if you've gone back and read any of the original Phoenix Saga comics, but I am and I am enjoying them. So you might you might get a kick out of them. And so far, at least, it hasn't talked about it being an alien power. It's just been Jean learning about her new self. But it's still very 70s, 80s feminist power fantasy. It's not exactly like a 90s 2000s one Wait, so it's, it's still kind of know, old school we'll, we'll get but there. I don't know. You know it's cool it's still cool in its own way its own dated way yeah is that it no, or okay a few more okay we have 16 more emails no we have probably three uh so drake writes in and he writes 
Hey, Maddie and Ryan. I'm not sure when you will read this, but I've been enjoying the Phoenix episodes so far. I remember thinking the Phoenix episodes were really cool as a kid, so I'm glad they hold up pretty well now. I was wondering if there are any X-Men fan fiction you would recommend. I haven't read any myself because I have no idea where to start or which ones would be good for someone like me who grew up watching the animated series and movies, but has only read a few comics. Thank you for keeping this awesome show going. See you next time, Drake. So I don't read a whole lot of fan fiction anymore. Just hmm. because yeah, I I, any, in the like, long run, I just don't even have time to do the things I want to do for fun. Like, I mean, this show is for fun. Don't get me wrong. But I'm like, like if I'm going to sit down and but, do yeah, something I mean, for leisure, really like I'm probably going to read an show. actual book or like comic books uh, because an actual book. Yeah, I, you know what I mean? I, I'm actually not dissing <laughs> fan fiction writers because there's some I'm good ones out you. there. There are. I, you know, this is a great question for um, Katie. Our fans or Katie. Our, our, <laughs> fans, our fans should write in too but i was honestly thinking. the next warcraft valley you and katie or specifically katie should do some like fan fiction wrecks okay. and she should talk about which ones she I likes i think she's been reading a lot of thundercats lately so that's cool but i i i don't i feel like she writes gambit fan fiction surely she's got some recommendations I mean, we certainly do because warcraft valley is entirely about our entire x-men fan fiction universe recommended fan fiction it's a it's recommended podcast nothing's really coming to mind Drake, in terms of- i'm gonna be honest with you i can't recommend anything unless you just want to read like porn because that's pretty much the only x-men fanfic i read growing up and, i like, can recommend one that isn't porn which is that i i can try to find a link to it and put in the show notes if i find it anywhere or if it even exists still but there used to be like a deadpool fan fiction that i would give to people as like an example of like how fan fiction can be fun which was a deconstruction of fan fiction tropes where deadpool realizes he's in a fan fiction oh that's amazing fan fiction and he meets a mary sue and has to like fight her and it's really funny and i haven't read it for a while but i like that that should be an actual story well it only works because it actually is a fan fiction and it's deadpool realizing he's in a fan fiction so like it would have to stay a fan fiction in order for it to logically I like that work concept i think that would be cool um, as it was a cool concept story. and i can try to find it and i will just go ahead and say that that counts as an x-men fan fiction even though it's deadpool because i remember well, it being one that X-Men. i liked i, I see yeah the, so sure i can't even remember <laughs> see the problem is that like oh my god and this is something we have to deal with in one of our coming episodes is that like katie and i wrote a bunch of our own original stuff but they would incorporate shit that we read in fan fictions into our fan fiction so i can't really right. tell what it was co- created by us and what was created by another fanfic sometimes uh right. but the only x-men fan but that was kind of how fanfic communities used to work where people would just share yeah. ideas and i yeah. mean i just i remember I, I i like i said i read a lot of uh x-men gay stuff and like the only two i even remember off the top of my head that had like any kind of longing effect on me was there was one between like obviously wolverine and cyclops and it was again like gene was dead and they were like well we have to fuck something um <laughs> that was the title of the fan fiction <laughs> we have to fuck something uh but there was one that i read that was really great with a pairing that like has absolutely no connection in the the comic books and it was between like alex summers and war worthington and huh. it was like weird but it was really well written i liked it and i kind of was into it but like there was a line in there that i always remember because it was like one of them came out naked and it was told from Alex's perspective or something. He's like, well, you know, it's the X-Men. So you always see us naked at one point. So that's actually not that unusual. And I was like, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) But that's all I remember from that. And I think, I think warm bottoms. I don't even remember. You know what? Maybe this is like inspiring me to go read fan fiction, though. Yeah, there's some good shit out there. You need to re- recommend it to us. <laughs> yeah, other people should write in and tell us their favorite fics, and we'll read them. Yeah. And it's fine if they're like 
sex ones. We won't judge. Um, okay, so the next piece that we're going to talk about, this is real, real um, but we had a listener, Soren, write in, and he wrote, I don't know, like... A thesis? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to read it all today, um, <laughs> but I do want to read a lot of it over the course of different episodes. So, Soren, you're going to hear your questions throughout the next few episodes, because a lot of them were really good. And I was like, I want to read all of this, but we're we can't we're not going to dedicate a whole episode to this. That would be really funny, though. But with Soren, we just can't spoil you like that. I know. <laughs> so Soren writes, dear and queer Maddie and Ryan, I have been waiting a long time to send this email because I spent the last few weeks catching up on the show. Originally, I started listening because I saw on the Let's Watch 2 Twitter that Mary Ellen would be guesting on the X2 episode. So I listened to that and then the X-Men episode. I'm sure Maddie is probably saying, please get this psycho stalker to leave me alone because I also write really long emails <laughs> to Let's Watch all, to Movies. But here all, I am. It's wonderful. Uh, I was never into X-Men as a child, but I do remember enjoying the movies when they came out, even when they were really bad, although I haven't seen X-Men Origins. What inspired me to keep listening to me was the way you guys talked about your experience of the X-Men as children and what it meant to you. When I was a kid, I remember deliberately shying away from the X-Men because the popular jock boys in my grade were into them. So I thought the X-Men as a concept were too masculine for me, I guess. I specifically remember that they made fun of me for not knowing who Juggernaut or Gambit were. Of course they did. Of course. So imagine (laughs) my satisfaction when neither of them ended up being in the live action (laughs) movies. But aside from Wolverine and Storm, they were the only ones I knew. But you both talk about the X-Men as kind of a solace in your adolescence because you could read into the metaphor of their being gay. It makes me pretty sad to think that I could have also had that, but was scared away by straight guys, which happens a lot in other areas. The the closest substitute was identifying with Terra from Final Fantasy and hoping there would be a lock who would also take care of the monster I thought of as myself. I think this is interesting because I think that is a good comparison to the x-men what Terra and Locke? like having somebody take care of you even though you think of yourself as a monster like it's very yes. rogue you know yeah 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 or i was thinking beast when you said that too um yeah or any number of other characters right, who see right. themselves as monsters wolverine does sees himself as an animal um yeah i mean i think it's i think that's kind of what the mutant metaphor is is like oh there's something wrong with me and it's part of me and maybe it matters to my identity maybe it doesn't i don't know yeah it's it's homosexuality it's gayness yeah <laughs> You're uh, gay. and then i'm gonna read just a couple more of these points because he wrote episodes stuff that he noticed in which he like kind of touched on the morph turning into a bar and also bishop and cable coming from right, different right, features yeah. and uh, correcting us on the aura trail but I, he also i like i like it a lot to that but he made a comment here where he said how have we gone like 30 episodes without either of you commenting on Professor Xavier's insane eyebrows? <laughs> uh, also, when he leaves voicemail holograms in the, the medium room, he looks like Zordon for Power Rangers, which I don't know. Have I said that before? Or just not. I don't think we've ever talked about that before. But yeah, yeah, we've never talked about Xavier's eyebrows. I feel like those have just been completely normalized to me at this point. Like, that's just what Xavier's eyebrows are. Like, I don't even register them as weird anymore, which in, in and of itself is weird, I guess, you know? I agree. Like it's weird that Patrick Stewart's eyebrows aren't like that in the movies because Xavier's eyebrows are supposed to look like that. Like I know. these weird I, eyebrows. I, it would be funny if somebody like painted the mom with a like fucking liquid eyeliner. I don't know why his eyebrows are like that. I they're like that in like a lot of old comics too. They are. Like, I they don't are. fucking That's know. A, he's it's still like that but less obnoxious. Yeah, I feel like they've they've kind of changed it so that he just has like normal human eyebrows. I don't know why he had like Spock eyebrows for so long. I don't know why they did that. I really don't know. It's not mentioned ever. It's just part of who it's he is. It's just like who he is. Yeah. Um and this I'm gonna do a couple more of these. Um 
I don't know if you're still soliciting soliciting music ideas, but I was never to Nine Inch Nails or Industrial Rock, but I could always tell people my favorite band was The Cure. I suspect the only X-Men moody, sullen, and fey enough is to say that is Archangel. Um, <laughs> I don't think he listens to The Cure, honestly. I, I do. I bet Warren would listen to The Cure. I, I bet... I bet X-23 would listen to The Cure. Oh, she totally would. Um, you would have to, Soren, you would have to really get into, like, the comic book canon, but there are a lot of, like, characters of, like, the New Mutants and Generation X gen- generation, I feel like, that would listen to The Cure. Like, fucking Richter absolutely would listen yeah. to The Cure. Um, and Chamber, I feel like we totally. talked about Richter on a episode. I think Jubilee episode. would listen to The Cure. Like, Oh, yeah, Jubilee would listen to The Cure. Jubilee she totally would get would. into all kinds of new wave shit and, like, old school music by her definition <laughs> uh and then before i close off and we'll read more in the next episode he wrote skeletor is a power about him and magneto is kind of the, the top that won't make you feel bad about douching but i feel like he wouldn't watch drag race either but without being kind of condescending about it just so you know i totally agree with that reading that oh my god good Skeletor in this scenario would want to watch Drag Race and Magneto would keep ruining it by pointing out that RuPaul's kind of problematic actually and Skeletor would be like I'm just trying to enjoy the show <laughs> that would be that would be their relationship that would that's absolutely, actually really that, I cute know, that was a great way to do that I really like that reading so thank you Soren and I'm going to read this other half of this email on the next episode because I don't well, want to drag this out well the first half was really good it thanks was for, thanks for sending it Soren alright one more email everyone we're almost done. Uh, so somebody wrote it and it's anonymous and it's interesting. So I'm just going to read it. Um, Xavier is the best <laughs> X-Man. He gets into a kinky situation. He's bald and he's bald. Did I mention that he's a cool bald person? Besides the making the kids into soldiers thing and not getting together with Magneto, he's the best. <laughs> he's been my favorite since I was a kid and I was watching X-Men Evolution cartoon in the late 2000 movies. Okay, see, already this just proves what I just said like 20 minutes ago where I was like, I think... The X-Men Evolution Xavier and uh, movie Xavier is like a mm-hmm. lot nicer. So but yeah, if that's your introduction to Xavier as opposed to the comics in this show, then I think you will feel differently. Yeah, I, totally I mean, that agree. was that was my situation was that like I saw the live action movie and then went back and was like, oh, Xavier's an asshole. What the fuck? But yeah. I didn't know that going in. Anyway, I know. Continue. I also realized I wanted to have a sh- clean shaven dome because of all my crushes were bald. And I figured out that I <laughs> just really didn't like having hair. So I shaved my hair and that I'm asexual. Sometimes I get really angry when you shit on Xavier and I take a break from the podcast, but for the most part, it seems warranted. <laughs> Thanks for the, doing the podcast. My favorite ship is Xavier Magneto, especially if Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen are playing them. Have a nice day. Okay, so... I love this email, actually. I do, Because too. this person is listening to our show, even though we shit on Xavier all the time. I'm really sorry, and, well, It also says a lot about the show. That means there's other stuff there that's worth listening to. But also, I yeah, think... Well, 90% of it is, is us shitting on Xavier, but the uh, other 10% is really funny and incisive commentary on the X-Men. Well, so we hope i don't know it might not be i, I what i like thanks about, for listening to the show i, I do and I, what i like about this is that it does sort of prove the point that i think there was a period of time where xavier was written to be a lot nicer and that was during yeah. this, that the very the specific 2000s basically yeah so if you fell in love with that version of xavier i can understand why because like it was patrick stewart he's charming yeah as he's, fuck. he's really I, like, great in like, those movies it's like you can't even really look at 
Patrick Stewart and be like, oh, he's Professor Xavier. You're sort of still like, oh, that's Picard and he's charming as fuck. I know. And Picard has like all that history with you being like, oh, you know, he's a guy who's trying to do the right thing. That's like his whole character. Also, Ian McKellen plays Magneto wildly differently, too. So I I know, which we've talked about, but he's still a fun character. And I still ship those two versions of those characters. Well, I ship like any version of Xavier and Magneto together because, I mean, it just needs to be canon at this point. So I know. But anyway, I, I don't blame this person for liking those versions of, of Xavier. And I'm curious to eventually get to the other cartoons and see how he's depicted in those. Yeah. Um, me too. And how all the other characters are depicted for that matter. I think it'll be interesting. Yep. Uh, but that's it for reader mail today. Yay. Readers. Thanks everybody we did for it. writing we read in the mail. Woo. Okay. Is it time for plugs? It is, but I'm refreshing my Twitter feed just in case anything else insane <laughs> shows up. <laughs> Because you never well, know. Is it? No. Is there, it? People are still talking about Bardenary. Okay. God, that's just going to be the, the entire rest of the evening. Whatever. Fine. Anyway, we have a YouTube channel, and you should check it out because we've got a Let's Play on it now. A Mutant Ages themed Let's Play. You and me and Wolverine are all in it. That's true. Wolverine is you there. You should watch it, please. But there's other cool videos on there, some of which are Mutant Ages E videos, and some of which are just other silly videos that we some make. Some of which like, are just us. Being us. Live action parodies of things or Ryan going to conventions with Anna or any or number of other cool things. superhero training and sometimes Maddie and I create original fucking content and it's cool. So you should mm-hmm. definitely go subscribe there because we're posting a lot more. Yeah. And if you have money, you can support our Patreon and get some cool rewards like bonus episodes where we review other things or soundtrack downloads and other shit. I don't yeah, know. Patreon's it, cool. It does all sorts of fun things and helps us keep going and keeps us in production. And even honestly, if you could donate a dollar, if everybody who listens to the show donate a dollar, it would really help us pay all of our hosting fees. And since Maddie and I are creating more shows and also movies, we need the equipment to do that and like yeah. the hosting fees. And plus we want to get more people like on our shows and we we do pay them. So, you know, it would help with that. Yeah, as yeah, well. yeah. We want to be able to do that. We always want to be able to pay people who help us out with anything exactly. that we make. Yeah. What else? Oh, Twitter. We're on Twitter at the Mutant Ages. I'm on Twitter at Mitty Myers. I'm on Twitter at Ryan Pagella, and I, you know, you've come to the right place when you see Mister Sinister, which was changed in October of last year, and it's almost October. Yeah, it was supposed this to be year. my Halloween happy name. Halloween. Um, so happy anniversary to me officially it's becoming Mister Sinister. <laughs> Halloween all the time, every day at Mister Sinister on Twitter.com. Uh, we have an instagram and facebook and all and sorts of fun shit and you Tumblr. can email us please email us at the mutant ages oh, at gmail.com yeah. and like you could write in anything clearly because we just read clearly. all that for like you 20 write minutes in so that you write love in, professor please. xavier and we will tell you that we appreciate your listenership and we will mean it we, yeah, we you can we literally do mean it. and finally we do. please we love you please leave us a rating on itunes if you can or soundcloud or whatever app you use leave a rating because even if it's just a star rating it, it helps. helps put us on the map and makes our visibility increase. And also, if you do write an actual review, it's really good to have those, not for us necessarily, but for other listeners that are like, hey, what's this X-Men podcast about? And they can see what you say. Yeah, you could just write five stars. It's really fucking gay. Or five I mean, I stars. They hate Xavier. I mean, you could just write whatever you want. Those are some samples of reviews you could write. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's, that's it. it. I don't think there's we'll nothing else. We'll see, see you soon. Next time. See you next time. Uh, is Corsair gay with his son or not? It's weird. Let's hope he's not the mutant agent.
at atomicblueproductions.com or support us at patreon.com slash atomicblueproductions.